Hello, this is Mike Van Meter from the Recovery is Possible podcast, and I want to thank you for joining me today. And today we're going to be talking about this whole idea of alcoholics having an allergy towards alcohol, an allergy towards alcohol. Uh, oftentimes it's said that uh, th- that's ridiculous, that alcohol is not an allergy, that uh, alcoholics just need to not drink and exercise willpower. And I, what I'm going to be doing in a series of podcasts is talking about the science behind addiction and the science behind alcoholism in particular, and I'm going to debunk some of the myths that are out there, or at least attempt to debunk some of the myths that are out there about addiction and help you understand a bit more about what's going on with yourself, uh, a family member, coworker, or anybody else that you may be concerned with. What concerns me today is that in treatment centers around the, the country and even in hospitals, there's very little education about what is happening inside the minds and the bodies of addicts that are out there. And consequently, this myth that uh, this is simply a matter of willpower is perpetuated, and therefore it continues the stigma of of addicts that are out there across the country and it prevents people from going out and seeking the help that they that they need that they want and would make their lives better and make our society as whole better so uh, this is part of the whole process that I'm working towards right now where I want to debunk some of the myths that are out there and in the process of doing so hopefully reduce some of the stigma that's out there towards addicts. So before I get started, I just want to remind everybody that I just represent myself. I don't represent any particular group to include AA or any other 12-step program that is out there. Everything that I'm talking about is my opinion, my experience, and, um, and I hope that this will help you in some way, that experience, strength, and hope. That's all I'm doing here. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and get started and let's talk about uh, where this whole idea of allergy comes from in the first place. So where where does it come from? Well, without going through a history of AA, uh, I may do that sometime down the road in a a podcast and and, and go through the origins of AA. But in the early days, you know, we have uh, Bill Wilson one of the co-founders of AA, and Dr. Bob Smith. And they, in their experience, had run across a man named Dr. William Silkworth, who was a physician that had worked with alcoholics. And they had asked Dr. Silkworth to provide a introductory letter to the Big, Book's, Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And as you may or may not know, the Big Book, when I, when I use that term Big Book, that is the main text that is used in Alcoholics Anonymous and it, it's it's referred to constantly in AA. It's it's sort of the the go-to book, conference-approved literature that that is used in AA, and it's a significant book. In fact, it that book is used as the basis to nearly every other twelve-step program that's out there, of which there's six hundred plus programs around the world today, and they all in one shape or form or another have their origins in the Big Book itself. But in the letter. Dr. Silkworth um, lays out some of his ideas behind what's going on with this movement, and he means the movement of the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And in the letter, he says this, and he's talking about his belief behind what these folks, these alcoholics, are suffering from. And he says, meaning the, the doctors, the medical community at that time, and this is the late 1930s, he says, we believe 
And so suggested a few years ago, the, the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. So there we go, the word allergy. That's the first time that we see this word. That the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and, and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can interest and, and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. So there's a lot in there, and that's only part of the letter that I just read, but there's a lot in there. And as I walk through this, I think a lot of you are going to be able to relate to what Dr. Silkworth is talking about. Um, but let's address this whole issue of an allergy. And before you just write it off as being an old wives' tale or not being correct, let's just think about this for a minute. If you have someone in your life that suffers from an addiction, particularly alcohol, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you asked them to stop? And how did that work for you? Have you given suggestions on how that person can stop? And how did that work for you? Did you say, work out more? Did you say, have a better diet, get more rest, get a massage, do, do anything to relax and stop drinking? How did that work for you? Did you not say to your loved one, you know, if you loved me, you would stop drinking. If you were a better husband, you'd stop drinking. If you loved the children, if you took your job more seriously, and I could go on with example after example after example, but have you not done that with your loved one, and how did that work for you? Well, you see, one has nothing to do with the other. You can say to someone, well, why don't you, why don't you love me more? Well, the fact is, they, they may love you. you. Why don't you read the Bible? Why don't you pursue spiritual interests more? And the fact is, they're doing that with all of their heart and all of their mind, but yet they can't stop drinking. In fact, how many times have you heard that the, the, the person, your loved one, has said, I, I want to stop, and I do love you. I do love God. I am developing my spiritual life. I am working out, but nothing is taking effect. And in your mind, you're thinking that this person isn't being serious, that they, they aren't taking this serious at all. It doesn't help. But let me put it to you another way. What if I had uh, allergies that hit me? For, for example, here in, the, in Virginia, which is where I live, uh, in the springtime, things start to, to bloom, things start to grow, and I go through a period where I can't breathe. I have to take medication to control my allergies. I'm, I, uh, I'm coughing, I'm sneezing, I'm, I'm going all through all the machinations that you go through when the allergies hit you. And sometimes, I've even had some years where I've had to take a few days off from work because my allergies were that bad. Now, imagine if my wife came up to me and said, you know why 
You know why that's happening to you? Do you know why that you, you're coughing and you can't breathe and, and you got that upper respiratory infection? I know what it is. You don't love me enough. You know what it is? You're not taking care of yourself. You're not working out enough. Hey, you know, you missed church last Sunday. If you went to church more often, that wouldn't happen to you. That would sound ridiculous, wouldn't it? You would say, well, what does one have to do with the other? And the answer is, it doesn't. One has nothing to do with the other. Now, take it back and, and, and use the other example with alcohol, and you say, well, you missed church last week. That's why you're drinking now. That would be ridiculous. You don't love me enough. That's why you're drinking now. Well, that's equally as ridiculous. The fact is that they're both allergies. And before you say, Mike, that's not true, One that they're not related. These are apples and oranges. Well, hold on a minute. The fact is that people that are alcoholic, their bodies process alcohol differently than everyone else. Dr. Silkworth even talked about that. He talked about these, quote, alcoholic types, an obsession, an obsession for alcohol. For those of you that are not alcoholic, do you ever obsess over alcohol? Do you ever start drinking, and once you start drinking, drink until it's either all gone or you're gone, and blackout drinking? How many of you can go beyond three drinks and not throw it up? How many of you can go uh, beyond three, three drinks and then continue on and on and on to, to levels that would either hospitalize or kill other people? If that's not you, then you don't have that genetic predisposition. But the fact is, the people that have uh, alcoholic tendencies, their bodies process alcohol differently than non-alcoholics. In fact, non-alcoholics will never have what's known as the craving or the obsession for alcohol, but alcoholics always have the obsession and the craving for alcohol. Now, why is that? Well, it's because in the metabolic breakdown of alcohol, it's, it's done differently in alcoholics' bodies. Is you drink alcohol, what happens is you take ethyl alcohol in its pure form, because that's really what it is. You know that your, you know your body doesn't know the difference between um, uh, wine and beer and hard alcohol. You know, I, I, hear, I hear people say all the time, well, yeah, I can't be alcoholic, I only drink beer. I can't be alcoholic because I drink wine. You know, I haven't hit the hard stuff yet. Your, your body actually does not know the difference when alcohol goes in. It doesn't care where the alcohol came from. Ethyl alcohol is ethyl alcohol, no matter how you choose to put it into your body. And it goes through a metabolic process and ends up um, being, processed, uh, being processed out of your body through carbon dioxide. Okay, It's processed through, turns into sugar, and then carbon dioxide before it's removed. But prior to that, there's a state in which alcohol is in, and it's called acetaldehyde. And it's at that stage that differentiates alcoholics from non-alcoholics. For your non-alcoholics out there, I've, I've talked about this previously, that alcohol is actually toxic to your body. Every cell of your body, it's toxic. Your body should shut it down because it's killing you. And just like any other poison or toxin, your body should, A, shut it down, and if it has too much to control, it gets rid of it through throwing up, urinating, 
sweating, whatever the case may be, but it's going to be removing the alcohol from your system. That's what it should do because your body is designed to survive. Uh, we sweat because we're hot. We shiver because because we're cold. We eat because we're hungry. We procreate because we need the human race to continue on. All of these things are designed to help you survive. But your body will also reject toxins and poisons that come into it. That's what it should do. And that's because that's what your brain tells your body to do. But if you're alcoholic, your brain is not wired that way. You have that, that predisposition to tell your body the exact opposite. In fact, not only does your body not reject alcohol, not only does your brain tell your body, uh, does it not tell your body that this is bad and that it should stop, it actually tells your body that this is actually good. Well, how good? Well, more, more is more good, and a lot more good is a lot more good. And we actually need this to survive. That's what your brain is telling your body. And that is what removes the off switch. So if you're truly alcoholic, what happens is you drink that first drink, and then you need another one, and another one, and your brain keeps saying that this is a good thing, and we need more until we drink to the point of blacking out, or we run out of alcohol, or we die. Okay? And it gets worse and worse and worse over time. Over any length of time, addiction gets worse. It does not get any better. That is the obsession of the mind. That is what happens with alcoholics. And so, going back to this question of whether we have an allergy towards alcohol, one simply just needs to go to the dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, and pull it up. And what does it say? It says that an allergy is a having an abnormal reaction to a substance having an abnormal reaction to a substance. Well, what I just described to you sounds an awful lot like having an abnormal reaction to a substance. That's what alcoholism is. And that's what they're talking about in the big book when Dr. Silkworth first introduces the term allergy as it relates to alcohol. So you have an allergy to this. Now, we don't condemn a person because they have an allergy to peanuts. We don't condemn a person because they have an allergy to pollen, um, to uh, any substance that's out there. It's only alcohol that we talk about um, this being a moral failing and not a physiological problem that the person has no control over. Now, you have no control over what happens to your body and your brain once alcohol enters your system, but what we are going to be talking about is how you do have the ability to not put that into your system in the first place. So I don't have control what happens inside my body, but I do have control over what goes into my body. And those are going to be the subjects that we explore for many sessions from here on out. So with that, I just want to leave you with that little tidbit, that little educational point about the big book, and give some, shed some light on this whole concept of an allergy when it comes to alcohol. And I hope that this helps you. I hope that this is something that you can use in your own recovery or maybe help support other people that you know in recovery, because I think this is important information that we need to put out there to help quell this idea that alcoholism is a moral failing and not a physiological and medical problem. 
and we need to start addressing it as a medical problem. Because once you look at it as a medical problem, then the stigma sort of goes away, doesn't it? But we need to get society to, to understand what we're talking about here today. So again, this is the Recovery is Possible podcast. I am Mike Van Meter, and I look forward to seeing you all uh, next time. And please go to the Facebook site, give us a like, give us a follow, and we will be talking real soon. Thank you.